0: SleepCoolNow.com, 1212.
1: This is our number one of the World According to Zig Podcast for this May 7th, 2017. This is the weekly show which is, frankly, one of the very few places where you can get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from the conservative perspective in this crazy upside-down world in which we now live. I am your host, John Ziegler. Here's the plan. Hour number one, as usual, will be commentary on the news of the week. Hour number two, we're going to have a guest who is—this will be interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to go because this is uh, the first time that I've ever interviewed a Trump superfan. Yeah, this is a Trump superfan uh, talk show host and Twitter celebrity, Bill Mitchell. If you follow Twitter carefully, you, you probably know who Bill Mitchell is. He is about as big a Trump fan as there is. And in fact, Trump uh, complimented him on Twitter uh, last month or month and a half ago, I guess, at this point. And uh, so that'll be very, very interesting. Uh, the big news today is the uh, presidential election in France. When well, Macron has defeated Le Pen, that's the worst French accent you could possibly ever imagine because I don't know a word of French, uh, but uh, how this is going to, the first thing that I found interesting about this is I told you two weeks ago that this is what was going to happen, that Le Pen was actually going to regret even being in the runoff because everyone was going to unite against her and crush her, and that's exactly what ended up happening. It looks like it's going to be about a a 65-35 type of split, somewhere in that range, uh, which is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for her. It's embarrassing for the whole nationalistic movement. It's embarrassing for Donald Trump because he somewhat pseudo-endorsed her. It's going to be seen as a win for Barack Obama because he did full-throatedly endorse Macron and so uh, France is now officially less insane than America. <laughs> Wrap your brain around that one, folks. <laughs> so they decided that Le Pen, yeah, no, no, thanks. Uh, and I'm, and I, you know, there. Are, I'm sure some things that that Le Pen is right about, but the reality is that now anything that is seen as nationalistic is going to be. St- basically tarnished with the Trump brand. I don't think that Trump was the difference. Not not having spoken to one French voter, I can't know for sure, but my gut tells me Trump was not the difference between winning and losing in a landslide like this, but I can assure you it didn't help. And I think that the Trump precedent was partially why it was so easy for everybody who lost in the first round of the French elections to endorse Macron and to basically anti-endorse Le Pen. So that's where things are in France. But, of course, Trump will ignore that, pretend it didn't ever happen. He's really good at that. Uh, He's still celebrating his big victory this week. It was huge. Massive win for Donald Trump. Obamacare, I don't know if you heard this, Obamacare has been repealed and replaced, just as Donald Trump as promised Obamacare was repealed and replaced. The new law will take effect, uh, I guess, on Monday. And uh, this is just awesomeness because, uh, you know, it didn't look like uh, Trump was going to be able to do this. They couldn't even get a vote the first time. And now all of a sudden uh, he pulls off a miracle, the magic of Donald Trump. With me, it just works. You know, it's magic. It, it was amazing. Of course, uh, none of that actually happened except maybe in his fantasies uh, or maybe not even in his fantasies. It's possible that Trump really believes that this is what occurred, that he has kept his promise that Obamacare has been repealed and replaced because they were able to pass by a couple of votes a bill in the House of Representatives. Apparently Donald Trump not fully understanding or comprehending how our system works that you first have to get it through the House, then the Senate. He may not have heard that, oh, by the way, the Senate isn't even going to vote on the actual bill that the House passed, which means a couple things. It means, number one, there's no guarantee at all that there'll even ever be a vote of any relevance. But even if there is, it ensures that should a bill pass, a health care bill pass in the Senate, That means it has to go to conference committee, and that is going to be a a clusterfark because uh, you're going to have two totally different groups of people, members of the House, members of the Senate, with very different priorities and very different uh, political needs, trying to do what I have described numerous times as a Rubik's Cube, trying to solve a Rubik's Cube that doesn't have all the pieces. I still maintain that this is basically an impossibility. In fact, I even more strongly believe this week than I did last week that there is no possible way that a true repeal and replacement of Obamacare is ever going to happen. Certainly not under Donald Trump. The best case, and I use that term loosely and put it in quotes, best. The best case scenario for Trump is that they basically redo Obamacare. They just, you know, they take the car and they they change the tires and maybe they change the paint color and you know put some rims on it or something. I don't know, but you know, it's, it's they're not going to change the engine. They're not going to change that it's a car. They're not gonna, <laughs> there's not going to be anything fundamentally different. That's at best. That's assuming they get anything passed. And I'll go through the problems of getting the, anything passed. Uh, Momentarily, but let's talk about what actually did happen. They passed a crappy bill. The way they were able to pass the crappy bill was that they jammed it through without anybody knowing much about it. Numerous people said they didn't even read it. And they, they put some sugar droplets on it to get some people who were against it to say, okay, I'll be for it. And then they held a celebration pretending as if what they had done actually matters. Rackle matters, but that it actually had done something—that that this was an accomplishment. No, no, no. Let, let's be clear: this was the first step towards a possible accomplishment of dubious merit. I, I made numerous analogies uh, about the nature of the premature celebration, specifically that uh, in the in the Rose Garden. I mean, no one's ever seen anything like this before. It's so And to have a celebration of a bill that barely passes the House with no real prospect of getting through the Senate, at least not as it currently stands. And Trump's pretending, and I guarantee you, part of the motivation here, part of the plan was to fool a lot of his base. You know, the cult 45ers. Cult 45, they believe you every time. So part of the plan here was to fool the cult 45ers that Trump had actually already fulfilled his promise, that Obamacare had actually been repealed and replaced. There were a lot of conservative outlets that played it this way, including the Drudge report. But the reality is it does nothing of the sort. And here's here's the, the best analogy I can come up with. And I, I know this one very intimately because I went through it with my wife in our effort to get pregnant the second time, which ended up happening in a miracle the natural way thanks to my magic sperm but that's another story for another day we went to a fertility clinic to try to you know give us a much better chance of getting pregnant uh, or her to get pregnant at her you know advanced age with regard to her fertility uh, at the age of 42 you're you're really on the edge of the end of your fertility uh, for most women and and here's what trump basically did you know when you go through the fertility clinic the first part of the process, if you're not going to do this naturally, is for the man to provide a sperm specimen, right? Which is incredibly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Having done it myself, it's incredibly awkward, especially when you can't figure out, you're in a hurry, as I was, you can't figure out how to make the, uh, the video machine work, there's no magazines, so you got to get out your phone and, and, you're, and you're actually thinking to yourself, wow, how weird is it? that the random naked woman that shows up on my phone first is going to be the inspiration possibly for my second child. I mean, it's just so weird, but I digress. So here's what Trump did. If if you'd use the analogy of, of uh, this bill is like a, a baby, he, he basically celebrated the birth of the baby at the stage where he handed the nurse the specimen cup. That's space, he handed the nurse the specimen cup and celebrated. Woohoo! We made a baby! Wow, what are we going to name her or him? I mean, that's what Trump did with regard to the premature celebration over the, uh, the healthcare vote. And I, I wrote a column about this, which you can find, of course, at freespeechbroadcasting.com about what a complete sham this entire vote is. And by the way, it's not just a a superficial sham, you know, sham that is intended just for him to get applause for a day or two. Make no mistake. That's part of it. No doubt about it. That's part of what happened here. He wanted a win. He was pissed off about achieving nothing in his first hundred days legislatively. He got his ass kicked in the budget battle and he needed a win. So the other analogy I use, this was basically like the owner of a losing football team calling down to the head coach just before halftime while they're losing and, and forcing him to call his favorite trick play just for his own amusement. But, see, this is much more dangerous than that. And that's what this column I wrote, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, delves into, which is it's it's bad enough that he's passing – through the House, bills for his own amusement and so that he can claim victories that don't actually exist. The dangerous part is where this is headed next. And I see a direct path now, and others do as well, a direct path from where we are now to Donald Trump, ironically, being the president of the United States who signs eventually into law, not this week, this month, or even in this two-year period of time, but eventually signs into law universal health care for all Americans, single payer, whatever you want to call it, socialism, socialized medicine. That's why where we're headed now. You're saying, John, how's that possible? You know, he he got elected uh, on repeal and replace, and and uh, you know, Paul Ryan is going to make sure that this uh, happens, and Mitch McConnell will do the same, and they're going to pass this. Great bill, and no, 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 no. Here, here's, here's the most likely scenario. Now, granted, a lot of things can change, but here's the most likely scenario as I see it, or at least the doomsday scenario. Here's the doomsday scenario. So the Senate takes their sweet time because they know that the House bill sucks. They come up with a grown-ups bill, which also doesn't really repeal Obamacare because you can't. You can't repeal Obamacare anymore. I've said this dozens of times. No one wants to accept it. We lost the 2012 election and that was the last chance to repeal Obamacare. Once Obama was reelected, it was over because now it's part of the DNA of the economy and the public's consciousness. And show me a situation where anyone in this country or any other, but especially in this country, I know of none in this country, where anybody has ever taken away something that got to the point where it was considered to be a right or close to a right, a social program, take it away successfully, take something away that was given to people that they started to expect was part of what they are entitled to by the government. It's never happened. And it's certainly not going to happen in this era when you got Jimmy Kimmel on television crying because if we repeal Obamacare, his little baby boy is going to die. I mean, I loved the, I don't know if you if you saw it. A lot of people did. Millions of people did both on television and online. Jimmy Kimmel's son had open heart surgery. He was just born a little bit after my second child was born in April. Heartbreaking, well, not literally heartbreaking, but you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. A, a a very touching story and a tremendous monologue that he did on it for about 90% of it. And then the last 10%, he devolves into this commercial for Obamacare. As if Obamacare had anything to do with saving Jimmy Kimmel's son. News flash for you. Jimmy Kimmel's not on Obamacare. <laughs> Newsflash: Not there's not one thing that Obamacare did to help Jimmy Kimmel's son, and if Jimmy and if Obamacare goes away, guess what? Jimmy Kimmel's son's chances of survival in the long run have not been impacted at all. In fact, you might even be able to argue that in the long run, if Obamacare went away and it was, you know, done properly, his chances of survival would be increased in the long run. But that doesn't matter because we live in an era of feelings. And it just felt so horrible to, to feel what Jimmy Kimmel was going through. And Jimmy told us that it was because of Obamacare, so it must be true. That's the world we live in, folks. Feelings are everything, especially in the news media. All right, so at, I don't think, I don't know for sure, but I think there's a very good chance the Senate never passes anything. Because you, you have a situation where Democrats are not going to vote for anything that is remotely consistent or close to a repeal of Obamacare. doesn't matter. It could be the greatest bill of all time. They're not going to vote for it. Just like Republicans didn't vote for Obamacare in the first place. So, therefore, you can only lose three votes. You can lose two votes. You lose three and you're done. So, three Republican senators have to bail on any proposed plan, and it's toast. It can't get through the Senate. Now, that's a really high bar. <laughs> it's almost impossible on something as complex, don't tell Trump this, but something as complex as health care. It's almost impossible. I, I can't even imagine what you could pass where three Republican senators in this atmosphere wouldn't panic and run. Panic and run! Ah! But let's pretend somehow, see, even if that miracle happens and it, something passes through the Senate, it's not going to be anything close to what happened in the House. <laughs> Can't be as bad as what happened in that. What, what happened, what passed in the House doesn't even make any damn sense, which is probably why no one read it, because they didn't want to know exactly the crap sandwich they were passing. It's certainly not a, a real repeal of Obamacare, that's for sure. Anyway, once it goes to conference, that's a whole, that's another whole nightmare. And that's the part where, to me, that's the ultimate goalkeeper on this thing. I don't see how you get past conference with two completely different bills, with two completely different groups of people, with different agendas, different vulnerabilities. And somehow you got to agree in conference committee to come out with a bill that, and then, by the way, Once that happens, it has to go back to each the House and the Senate. So you just only passed it in the House by, what, four votes? Now you're going to give them a completely different version. This is best case scenario. Completely different uh, version. You mean to tell me you're not going to lose five votes along the way? Because you're not picking up any are very, you have almost no chance to pick up any, no Democrats. The Republicans that already voted against it, they're not going to suddenly jump on board because then they're, they're double screwing themselves politically because they both voted against it and for it. So you have no margin of error at all in the House. And whatever that new magic bill is, not only has to get through the House, but it also then has to go back through the Senate where you only have two votes margin for error. I mean, I, it, it almost seems ridiculous that we're even talking about this. This is never going to become law in anything close to its current form. And I'm, even, I'm being generous there. Now, so what's going to happen? Why is this the doomsday scenario? Well, here's why it's doomsday or clo- or possibly doomsday. So they don't pass anything. Eventually, there's no there's no repeal and a replacement of Obamacare, which, by the way, part of why I'm so downcast about all this is that might not be the ultimate worst scenario. I think the worst scenario is they pass a crap bill that now means Republicans completely own health care. It doesn't do anything to fix things. It makes things worse. Democrats rolled a massive victory in 2018, and now we're really screwed. But here's here's what will likely happen. There's no actual repeal and replacement. So now in 2018, you have a situation where the Republican base is demoralized because they were promised repeal of Obamacare. They didn't get it. Now, that might be mitigated somewhat by the fact that at least almost everybody up for difficult reelection will have voted on the Republican side for repeal and replacement. So at least they'll be able to make that argument. Hey, I voted for repeal and replacement. Don't blame me. I don't know if that's going to work, but it's at least you got a fighting chance, depending on the other circumstances. But the reality is there are a lot of other Republicans who are now going to be made vulnerable by the fact that they voted for this piece of crap. They vote, you voted to take away my right to not be denied insurance because of pre-existing conditions. You voted to get to take away twenty the, the life insur not life insurance, uh, health insurance for twenty four million people or whatever the CBO is going to claim. They'll be able to demagogue this thing to death, and so now everyone's going to have to defend their vote without any kind of benefit of actually having passed anything. And when you consider Trump's. Lack of popularity to begin with. Who knows what will happen over the next year and a half. But the reality is there's a very good chance. No one knows for sure, especially in this crazy world, in which we're currently living in. But there is it is clearly a logical path to where Democrats take over the House of Representatives now. Now, if that happens, look out, because now Democrats have Trump by the balls why? Because 100% of their caucus would be willing to vote to impeach Donald Trump. Now, assuming Republicans hold control of the Senate, which is pretty likely because the numbers are so in their favor in 2018, that doesn't mean that Trump will be kicked out of office, It, but it does mean that from a historical standpoint, he would be most likely impeached, which he doesn't want to do because he, you know... It's his ego. So what's going to end up happening? Well, we're going to have two things happening simultaneously, which I think are the doomsday scenario. You have Obamacare imploding, meaning we got to do something. Now, all of a sudden, you have a president with a Democratic House who has him by the balls, and he's going to be more than willing to trade, hey, don't impeach me, and I'll work with you on fixing Obamacare. And what's fixing Obamacare going to look like? Is it going to be more liberal or less liberal with a democratic house? We already know this. We've seen this movie many times before. This is how we've gotten into the situation we are in this country. Here's, here's what base, here's the history of, uh, everything since Roosevelt. You try liberalism, it doesn't work. So what do you do? You try more liberalism. (laughs) That's, that's the way society tends to go with some minor examples in the other direction, but in general, that's the way the wind blows. You try liberalism, damn, that didn't work. I think we need more liberalism, more socialism. Hey, liberalism doesn't work. Try socialism. Socialism doesn't work. Try communism. That's the way it's always going to be. So in the middle of this death spiral for Obamacare, that's how we're going to get socialized medicine. You don't believe me, Guess who Donald Trump complimented right after? Let me, couldn't make this up. Complimented right after the healthcare vote. That's right. He was with the prime minister of Australia and he complimented the Australian healthcare system, which by the way, is single payer socialized medicine. It's just flat out ridiculous. I, you can't make this up. And not only and when, when he was, Called on it. Hey, are you saying that Australia's system is better than ours? And he said, "Yeah." And then he said, "Everybody's is. Everybody's is." I mean, come on. Seriously. I, I, I mean, I realize we're not supposed to take this president literally. We have to, we have to inter- interpret everything he says through this prism of bizarre world. But that's just that is. It's just fe- flat out ridiculous. It's absurd to say that everybody has a better system of healthcare currently than we do is a, is, is a just a lie. Our our healthcare system is still one of the best in the world. In spite of ourselves, lots of room for it to get worse. And it's going to, and in part because of what happened this week. So I want you to remember years from now, it might not be that many years. Charles Krauthammer says seven years. I think I'll take the under on that years from now. When we get universal healthcare, I want you to remember what we sold out for Donald Trump to be able to hold a celebration this week because that's what happened. And it's in keeping with the entire Trump phenomenon. We pay a huge price for very little return, tiny little return, if anything. And he gets all the benefits. And I I just think, I I think this is going to be one of those. Seminal moments when we look back and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that that was a mistake back then. Now, what should we do? I mean, it's not an easy situation because if nothing is done, I am fully aware, and I understand why the House did this. I'm not saying that I necessarily would have done the same, but I get why they did it. I get why Paul Ryan did it because if they did nothing, then they go into next year's midterms with potentially no even effort at repealing Obamacare, which is one of the biggest things on the, the agenda for the base. And now the base is completely demoralized. They have they got no argument to make. And the other side, because of hatred of Trump, is already going to be energized. So the, see, that's the problem here. In recent years, Republicans have done very well in off-year elections. Why? Because our side was energized. Their side is too fricking lazy to get to the damn polls in an off-year election, especially when Barack wasn't on the ballot himself. So then out Obama, you got a lot of people sitting at home doing nothing, collecting their welfare checks and not even bothering to vote. Okay, so that has been a dynamic that has worked very well in the last couple of midterm elections for Republicans. Not going to work this time. Because the other side, thanks to Trump, is going to be super energized. Super energized. And if our side has nothing to cheer about, that's a dangerous situation. And that's why I think they took the vote. So it was a dand if you do, dand if you don't situation. And, um, but I still think, I actually think from here, the best scenario is to just just let it fade away. Just don't do anything. Just don't do anything at all. Just let's pretend it, let's you know have people remember that celebration last week and maybe some people actually believe it got repealed and replaced and let's just ride it out. Uh, that's not a perfect solution. There are some, and I think that there's validity to this, there are some people who are really thinking down the road who are saying, you know what, we're probably never going to have a so-called Republican president, a Republican House and a Republican Senate ever again. We obviously don't have the balls to do a real repeal and replace of Obamacare. We might as well just do socialized medicine ourselves. That way we get to at least construct it in a semi-rational fashion and we get credit for it. I mean, in all seriousness, as, as insane as it sounds, that might be. There's a, there's some logic to that being the smartest thing to do. But whether it's after the midterms or let's say Trump gets reelected, if Trump gets reelected, which I think is still very possible, and there's a Democratic House and Senate, because in this, there, in 2020, if Trump gets reelected. There's a reasonable chance, because that's when the numbers switch the other direction. There's a reasonable chance. If the Democrats can't find a halfway decent candidate, I don't know who the hell they would get. So if Trump somehow squeezes out a victory, that's the real doomsday. There's a chance we get Donald Trump with a second term, with no fear of re-election, with both a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. Look out! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right there is the is the real doomsday scenario, not just on healthcare, but on everything. All right. Now, um, once again, check out my column at freespeechbroadcasting.com for more about what really happened there on that healthcare bill, which I think is just really rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all they're doing. They're not repealing Obamacare. They're rearranging the deck chairs on the, the Titanic. And because of the whole the the balance between pre-existing conditions and the mandate, it that's why I use the Rubik's cube analysis that this is a Rubik's cube without all the pieces, it can't be solved, and we don't have the guts to do it. We don't have the guts because, you know, it, there would be too much short-term damage, too much political risk to take away something that is now seen as a right. And the Jimmy Kimmel thing proves it's now seen as a right. A couple other stories uh, that I also wanted to reference. You know, the biggest part of the Trump phenomenon of many that bothers me is the utter hypocrisy that it is exposed on our side, the so-called conservative side. Healthcare is a good example. I mean, here we were screaming and yelling, don't. Vote on this so fast, and what about bipartisanship and no Republican votes? And we need a CBO score on this. That was all out the window. None of that mattered at all because we're doing exactly what we claimed the Democrats were bad for doing during Obamacare. So that kind of thing is happening on almost a daily basis. I hate hypocrisy, but there's another area of hypocrisy that's really just driven me up a wall. And that's the issue of how our side would react with regard to issues of ethics, conflicts of interests, and scandals if they had been done by the Obamas or the Clintons. And there is a story out today over the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so, out of China, that is unfreaking believable. And if the Clintons were ever caught doing one tenth of what's going on here, uh, Sean Hennedy's head would explode. Rush Limbaugh would be yelling about it for a month. Uh, Fox News Channel w- would be going twenty four seven on it. And yet, my guess is none of these, none of the people I just mentioned, are even going to mention the story. From the Washington Post headline. In a Beijing ballroom, Kushner, that's in Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and chief advisor, Kushner family pushes $500,000 investor visa to wealthy Chinese. Now, This story is a little bit complex, probably a little too complex for most people, which is what I think they were counting on. And I also think they were counting, oddly enough, on the fact that the news media wouldn't bother to travel all the way to China to sniff them out on this. But this is about as scandalous as it gets. Let me break this down for you. Here's what's going on. So the family of Jared Kushner, and Kushner is essentially, you know, as close to Trump as you get. I mean, tr- Trump and Kushner, he's, there, he's the number one advisor. Forget about the fact that he's a liberal Democrat whose dad was a crook and that no one knows anything about him. And now he's got all this influence. That, that should be troubling enough. But his family business held a seminar for rich people in China where they explained here's how you get a visa to the United States. Give us a half million dollars to invest in New Jersey properties. And, oh, by the way, here's a PowerPoint presentation on who it is that decides who gets a visa with Donald Trump's photograph as an indication indication that he's a major player in the decision-making process of who gets a visa. I'm not making this up, not exaggerating. And you have to remember, for context, this is how business is done in China, right? It's all, it's very much a a mafia sort of mentality. That's, you know, that's the way it works over there. So when they sit down, these wealthy Chinese, and this is Kushner's family company, and they're saying, hey, look, there's a way to get in the United States. All you got to do is invest half a million dollars and voila. And oh, by the way, remember, Jared Kushner is the son-in-law of the president. And here's a picture of the president and other people who are involved in this decision-making process. The implication couldn't be more clear. Here's what's really happening. The Kushner family is selling visas to wealthy Chinese for half a billion dollars. I'm sorry, half a million, half a, what's a billion, a million, whatever, half a million dollars, half a million dollars, we're going to sell you a visa. Oh, by the way, this is China. This is a country that the president ran his campaign calling the worst country in the world. And then he stopped all of a sudden, just on a dime. All of a sudden, China no longer was no longer a currency manipulator. They were no longer our arch enemy. They were our friend. They're going to help us in North Korea, and I'm no longer going to get engaged in a trade war with China. Now, I'm not suggesting that I, I have no knowledge at all that these two stories are connected, but the way Trump's mind works, I guarantee you there's a very good chance that was part of what changed his mind on China. Oh, wait a minute. We can make some money here. If we're friendly with these guys, uh, this could be very good for the family. The family's everything. And just in case you, you think, well, this is the fake news media making something out of nothing, um, here, here's the last, here's how the Washington Post story ends. Many of the people who attended the event, this is in China. Declined to be interviewed, citing privacy concerns, or were blocked by organizers from speaking to the news media. Although the event was publicly advertised in Beijing, the hosts were exceptionally anxious about the presence of reporters. (laughs) Journalists were initially seated at the back of the ballroom, but as the presentations got underway, a public relations representative asked the Washington Post to leave saying the presence of foreign reporters threatened the, quote, stability of the event. (laughs) This is a publicly advertised event. The Washington Post, you know, leading American news organization, asked to leave because they threatened the stability of the event. At one point, organizers grabbed a reporter's phone and backpack to try to force that person to leave. Later, as investors started leaving the ballroom, organizers physically surrounded the attendees to prevent them from giving interviews. Asked why reporters were asked to leave, a PR person who declined to identify herself said simply, quote, this is not the story we want, unquote. Folks, if Chelsea Clinton, Hillary had been elected and Chelsea Clinton was over in a country against which her mom campaigned vigorously and was effectively selling visas for half a million dollars, our side would be running around with their hair on fire. It it would be cataclysmic. Yet, it's basically just going to be crickets on our side because we're a bunch of goddamn hypocrites. That's what Donald Trump has exposed us as. A bunch of hypocrites who only care about who's wearing what team uniform. There's no principle, no consistency, no honesty, no nothing. A couple other stories before I end this hour. One involving the Trumps that I'm going to maybe surprise you on. There's a story out today that Eric Trump once told a golf reporter in 2014 who was trying to figure out how, considering the dismal nature of the golf business, that the Trumps were raising money for all these golf courses they were buying and remodeling. That Eric Trump told him, we're getting all the money we need from Russia. Now, if true, that would be very significant. And I'm not saying it's not true. It sounds plausible. But here's where I'm going to surprise you. This is getting a lot of press today, and it shouldn't be getting any. Why? Because the sourcing on this is horrific. First of all, it's a golf reporter. It's not even a well-known golf reporter. There is no lower level of quote-unquote media person than golf reporters. Not because, I mean, I'm a golf guy. I know these people. These people are pathetic, all right? These people who cover golf are the most uh, wimpy, linguine-spined, wussified morons that you could possibly ever imagine. They're also almost all liberals, which I've always I've always found to be weird considering golf is a very conservative sport. But there's no journalism in golf. does not exist because of the fact that you don't want to get fired because the gig is so damn cushy. You're going around to beautiful places every week and sitting around on your ass writing about golf. So there's no golf journalism at all. Which, by the way, to be clear... I think makes it possible that this story is true because I think it's possible that the reporter might have been afraid to report it at the time. But from a ethical standards standpoint, this story can't even get out of the batter's box. One, there's no recording of it. It's 2014. Everybody's got a freaking phone. There's no recording of Eric Trump saying this. Number two, again, it's a unknown golf reporter saying this on a, I think like a local radio station or a podcast, a podcast, who the hell believes anything they hear on a podcast for goodness sakes. But but I digress. The the, the point here is the venue was, was not major or credible. Uh, he never said anything about this apparently beforehand when he did his story on his trip to go see the Trumps back in 2014, this didn't make it into the story. So Basically, all we've got is a golf reporter who has to know that the media would love to hear this narrative. I mean, anything that supports the Trump-Russia narrative, the media gobbles it all up. So, and that's what I find fascinating here. I actually got into a fight, um, somewhat of a fight, with a Washington Post reporter on Twitter today over this issue of differing standards. The, The media is so hilarious. Because when they want to believe what you're saying, they can shift the standards to make it credible. Oh, that's perfectly credible. He's a he's a well-respected golf reporter who, uh, even though it's three years later and there's no recording, uh, we, uh, we we must believe what he said. Why? Well, because we like it. We like what he says about what Eric Trump said, because it could be the missing link to the whole Trump. Russia scandal, but that's balderdash. That's not the standard. And if the reporter said something different, then you know that the, the the media didn't like. All of a sudden, they would be saying, "Well, well, we can't we can't be reporting that. There's no recording. It's three years old. It's just a golf reporter. He's not even a celebrity. I mean, they can change the rules whatever they want to change." And it's funny because in this fight that I got with the Washington Post reporter, I said, I'm going to give you a scoop. Yeah, you know, when I met Donald Trump, and by the way, I can prove I met Donald Trump because here's a letter from Donald Trump I got after our meeting backstage at the uh, Today Show back in 2014. He told me, he told me at the time he was going to run for president as a joke and see how far it went. And I said, you're welcome for the big scoop that I just gave you. Go ahead and run with that because that's the same thing this golf reporter is giving you. I just gave you a plausible quote from someone I can prove I met three years ago, same time frame, that fits the narrative that you want. Why aren't you running with it? And I'm no less known than that unknown golf reporter. Well, the reality is... There's, it's just totally different standards based upon what the media wants the story to be. So I, is it possible Eric Trump said that? Yeah. Is it possible? It's true. Yeah. But there's nowhere near enough proof for something that important to be being reported a, as it currently is. Speaking of uh, reporting, one of the other columns that I did this week, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, is how and why journalism has died And how it relates to Trump. Because a lot of people think that Trump killed journalism. No. He took advantage of the death of journalism. That's what he did. He did so brilliantly. And uh, you can find that at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can also find another column I wrote about tongue-in-cheek programming a new conservative network, which got rumored this week because, you know, it's funny... (laughs) It's incredible how long a week is. At the beginning of this week, it was being reported widely that Sean Hannity was out at Fox News Channel because his protector, Bill Shine, one of the co-presidents there, had been ousted. Well, now there's no, he's a week later, he's still there, there's no talk of him leaving. But because of those rumors uh, that he might leave to help form a new conservative network to compete against Fox News Channel, I wrote a column, which I think you'll find humorous. Again, partially tongue-in-cheek about programming this new conservative network. One of the one of the shows that I program in this fictitious network is um, Hannity versus Hannity. <clears throat> it, it's a it's a show that I would watch. It's what it is. Is it's <clears throat> 2017 version, live version of Hannity, the post-Trump version of Hannity, <clears throat> talking about the news of the day, and then via hologram technology. The pre-Trump version of Hannity debates the new version of Hannity using things that he has said in the past, which completely contradict whatever he's saying now, which I think would be a hell of a show. So it's Hannity versus Hannity. My two Sean's, if you will. So that's part of uh, the column, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com. All right. Uh, So um, that'll do it for this week's uh, roundup of the news. Uh, the, um, the two things that I've, oh, you know what? One other th- I forgot one other thing I wanted to mention, you know, the whole Andrew Jackson deal, this is, you remember when we were supposed to be winning so much, we're going to win so much. We're going to get tired of winning. And Trump made a lot of news earlier this week because, um, he praised Andrew Jackson and said that he was pissed off about the civil war, even though the civil war began 16 years after Jackson died and that there wouldn't have been a civil war if Jackson had gotten his way blah, 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 blah. And I, I actually think that in a weird way, and I'm not one to defend Trump, I think that his comments, well, well, imbecilic in a lot of ways, very poorly worded, were a little bit misinterpreted. It, it's He's kind of in Sarah Palin land now, where because everybody in the news media is convinced that he's a complete idiot, everything he says is seen through the prism of a complete idiot saying them. And so sometimes he gets a bad rap. There was actually a, a legitimate point that he was making. Uh, even and I'm not 100% sure he uh, was unaware that Jackson was not alive during the Civil War. I, so I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But here's why I'm even mentioning it. So supposedly we were going to win, 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 win with Trump. And he's got this magic touch. And here's the president of the United States praising a former president, Andrew Jackson, in a, you know, a guy who most Americans haven't thought about much at all, but making Andrew Jackson a major news story. Now, in any other presidential administration in American history, if there was a movie project that was well in the works about Andrew Jackson, that would mean that that movie just hit a, the gold mine. My gosh, the current American president has said that Andrew Jackson is his favorite president, has praised him in a way that's interesting and controversial, created a lot of news story stories to go along with it. In any other presidential administration, if there was a movie project that had been going through the Hollywood process for the last several years, that would ensure that that movie was going to get made. Or at the very least, it was going to give it a big boost. Well, guess what? <laughs> there has been an Andrew Jackson movie with a major star attached to it that I'm intimately familiar with. I've even read the script for that has been going through the, the process of trying to get made for the last several years in Hollywood. And on the day Donald Trump made those statements about Andrew Jackson, the movie was declared dead forever because Donald Trump was now attached to the name Andrew Jackson. That's how lethal his touch is. That's how how not golden the touch of Donald Trump is. That's how not winning so much that we're going to get tired of winning Donald Trump is all about. Everything's upside down in this world, folks, and that's just a, another example of it. All right, in hour number two, we're going to be speaking with the Trump super fan and talk show host, Bill Mitchell. I ask only two things of you. Please share this uh, podcast either via social media or word of mouth if you like it, because that's the only way people know about it. And number two, do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, which I hope you do, make sure you listen to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechproadcasting.com
0: coffee oh thanks how did you sleep like a baby i don't want to get out of bed ever these sheets are mm, incredibly soft what did you say they're called again performance bedding by sheiks (laughs) performance bedding (laughs) yeah they're made from super high-tech performance fabric they're incredibly breathable so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on huh no wonder i slept so good since i started using sheiks i sleep like a baby No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. (laughs) Well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. (laughs) (laughs) Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212 sleepcoolnow.com 1212.